You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Um, thank you very much. That was a very warm welcome. Um, so like, um, yeah, thank you. Excellent. Okay. Um, yes, we have loads of different stories, you know, um, about our friendship. I remember a few weeks to my, a few weeks to, to my wedding, um, Ogo and I were, were working, we on the same consulting engagements and, uh, somewhere on Mariana Street. And so she was asking me how things were going and all of that, you know. And I just said, okay, look, um, things are fine. We've paid for almost everything. But you know what? I, I, I still haven't, I haven't bought my shirt and my tie. Um, I'm, I, I will, when they pay salary next week, I would, I will find money to go and buy, yeah? And by the time I was going home that day, she gave me a check. She gave me a check um, to, to, buy, to buy my wedding shirt. I, I'm not sure she remembers, but I hope you remember. But because I remember, it was, it was, I think it was, was it First Bank? I can't remember where we were, but it was, we were saw on some project together. All right, so that, that's how much of very good friends we have. All right, so what's shape, all right? I'm told to speak about financial stewardship, all right? Um, a lot of times when people ask me to speak about money, I usually refuse because I say only people who have plenty of money should be talking, teaching people how to make money. So when they told me, it's not, I'm not coming to talk about how to make money, I said, okay, that's fine. I can talk about that one, right? So this morning, we're going to be looking at the, at the topic, um, financial stewardship, right? Um, so I know that we're talking about um, the five pillars of godly wealth, and this, this week is about financial stewardship. And essentially, what, what we mean by stewardship is, is that connection between the sense of who owns the money and how it should be utilized, okay? Um, so I'm going to be talking about that, but let's pray first. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this morning. We give you grace. We give you praise, Lord. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for an outpouring of grace in this place. We ask, Lord, of heaven and the heart. Lord, it will open our hearts, Lord, to learn and to understand the things that you will say to us in the name of Jesus. I'm asking, Father, that, Lord, you will interpret your words to each person according to their situations, according to their needs, and according to their circumstances in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your words not fall on the ground in the name of Jesus. Let your word bring forth fruit in the heart of your people in the name of Jesus. Make every single heart present here this morning a fruitful and we are fertile ground in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've heard us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So, um, you know, a lot of times, um, especially in our country these days, you hear um, people say a lot of things about churches and the way people talk about money and the things that pastors do with money. And all of that, you know, when you go on Twitter, almost every day, something, somebody is saying something on Twitter, on Facebook, somewhere on social media, and bashing the church about how much money the church has and all of that, right? Now, that happens, all right, because people do not understand, to a large extent, the sense of financial stewardship that God expects us to display, okay? And so, out of ignorance sometimes, out of, and out of, of course, a few of us pastors who misbehave and misappropriate funds and all of that. Just gives people a sense of apprehension, okay? And so when people sometimes hear conversations about money in church, all right, um, a good proportion of people just tune off. Um, a good proportion of people assume that it's going to end um, with an offering being raised. Somebody's going to ask you for money to do something. Um, 
Um, so, but today, there is none of that that is going to happen, all right? So relax. Uh, please pay attention and open your minds, okay? Now, just so you know, that is not peculiar to us in Nigeria that this sort of conversations happen in, 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 in churches where people are apprehensive about talking about money in church. Even the U.S. There is a gentleman, I think he died a few years ago. His name is Larry Bucket, right? Um, he lived in the U.S. And um, it, was a, it was a small group leader. So he went to his small group one day um, and he was having a conversation. I said, guys, you know, I just found out that there are about a hundred verses of scriptures that talk about money. And some fellow in the group said, come on, God, how can you say that's not possible? Say, look, God is not that interested in money that he would put a hundred verses in the Bible, you know, talking about money. So they had the debate, had an argument and all that. And then Larry Bucket went home and um, came back the following week. And he came back with an additional, he came back with about 700 more verses of scripture talking about money, um, resources and possessions and all of that, how, what the instructions God gave us, I expect us to manage and all that, you know. And, and he then went on, you know, to start, to actually start a parachurch ministry called Crown Financial Ministries. And that ministry has helped millions of people around the world to get out of debt, to be good stewards of their money and all that. And as of today, right, um, that is ministry. It says that I haven't counted, right, but they say, they claim that they're about, they're actually up to about 2,000 verses of scripture, right, that talk about money in one shape, form, or the other, right? That is more than the entire 13 books that Apostle Paul wrote. That's, okay, that is more than half of the New Testament. So if you put that in context for yourself, right? So that says something to us, right, that God is very interested in the way we conduct ourselves from a financial point of view, the way we live our lives, and the way we use our resources, okay? And that is why we're talking this morning about financial stewardship, okay? Um, so, if you want to think about it, stewardship is, um, can you please put a slide on the screen, all right? Um, so, so I, I went and checked in a dictionary to try and say, so what is stewardship? And it says, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care, all right? The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So a few words jump out at me there. Number one, it says it's careful and responsible. Number two is management. And the most important phrase there for me is entrusted to one's care. Okay? So, so the whole concept of stewardship, financial stewardship, rests on the principle of ownership. Who owns the money? And I'm going to be explaining to us this app this morning, you know, making us understand that God actually does own the money. So he puts you in charge of it. He put it in, he put it in your trust to manage and to use for it what benefits and the glory of his name. And so even when you use the money, like the money that you earn from the work that you do, when you use it to buy clothes, to buy shoes, to buy cars, to pay for your um, education and do every other thing that you use the money for, Two things happen. Number one is that you want it to be at the back of your mind that these things that you are doing, you are doing to the glory of God. And then the second thing is that you want to say to yourself that I, am, I need to make sure that I am managing my finances and the money that I have in my hands, all right, in a way that glorifies God. Very, very important. Very, very important. So bear at the back of your mind, and I'm going to be supporting all of this from scriptures, right, so, just, so you don't think that I'm just 
telling you some stories that I've cooked up from somewhere, okay? Now, when the way we manage money as individuals, right, um, is driven by a lot of things. And a good number of times, many of us do not pay attention to the things that drive our relationship with money. Because on a day-to-day basis, we all have relationships with money, all right? Um, so it depends on how, wherever, what shape, form, or the other. It's either you're using money, you're making money, you're giving money, or whatever it is, right? Now, the ways that we relate with money, okay, a lot of times is driven by a number of factors. Number one, our personalities, all right? Um, there is sufficient sociological and psychological research that suggests, that supports the fact that um, people manage and utilize money, right, based on the way that they behave. So, a good example is that people who are outgoing, sanguine, very friendly people, okay, are much more likely, under normal circumstances, to be freer with money. To spend, they will spend easily, give money away very easily, you know, than people who are, than people who are um, introverted, okay? So, so there are all those sort of things. So, so, so the way that we are wired as individuals, all right, sometimes drive the way that we manage money. And of course, again, our values, okay, our personal values, our upbringing, the things that we have learned, you know, the way that the culture around us has molded us also drives the way that we understand and relate with money, okay? So when you understand the drivers and the motivations of your behavior and the way you use money, then you would know what you need to do, what you need to either correct, what you need to build on, okay, um, to be able to effectively steward your money. All right, so there are all kinds of jokes that you will hear um, about certain people, groups, and cultural settings in our countries and the way they would relate to money. So you hear things like, and, and I, so this is, this is just a joke for all understand. So you will hear, I've, I've heard people say before, that if um, somebody from Ijebu goes to school to study economics, all right, that he has probably, he or she has probably just learned, gone to school to learn how to be um, more tight-fisted. Now, I am not, I'm just giving you examples, all right, of the things that are, of the legends that are in our environment, okay? So, so you had those sort of things. And those, those things just basically, what, what those sort of things ride on is the fact that the culture of our environment the people that we interact with, the way that we were born and bred and raised up, all right, influence the way that we manage money and the way we relate to money. So we need to be aware of all of those things, okay? And so the same thing, our current circumstances and our stages of life also influences the way that we manage money. So if you were a parent, for example, all right, if you're a parent, um, you have kids in school, um, the way that you will spend money will be different from a single person who has exactly the same amount of money that you have because your circumstances of life and your, the amount of responsibilities that you have, the number of things that are placing demand on the funds that you have access to are different. So I remember when I was in secondary school, um, up to university, my parents, both my parents then were civil servants. They're retired now. And my dad will say to us, look, guys, I mean, they were causing, so my dad has five children, okay, and there were plenty other cousins and relatives who were, who were dependent on him at that time. And my dad would say to us, and, and this was the truth because we could verify it. He would say, guys, okay, so I'm sending you to school. I am paying your school fees, right? Um, um, but if you check my wardrobe, 
in the last six months or in the last nine months, I have not bought a new cloak because I am laboring to make sure that you guys get good education. And we hear all those kind of, those kind of stories, especially when someone has misbehaved, when your results has, when you have come on, and instead of, and your results, are, um, you, had, you had 75% somewhere where you thought you'd have had 85 and all of that. You wear those kind of stories, right? Or sometimes when I was on my way back to school, because I went to um, a boarding school, federal government college, my dad would say to me, look, I could have sent you to a state secondary school. So going to this particular school is a privilege, not a right. So when you get there, remember the son of who you are. And don't behave, don't misbehave. All right. So my dad told me that all the time, right? Um, that was this, the, that was his, his, the status and the circumstance of his life at that time. And it drove how he used and spent and stewarded his finances. Okay. So my point really is this that we need to be aware of and we understand, you know, the things that drive the way we use money, the things that drive the way we relate with money and the way we steward and um, like to serve as stewards of our financial resources, okay? And one key point that I would like to make is this, that stewardship is maturity. We're not mature, we're not mature disciples if we have not embraced the, really, the reality that, materia- that materially we're stewards instead of owners, okay? If we have not embraced that understanding that everything that we have and that we own and that comes to us and through us belongs to God, Okay, because we belong to God. And so we will stand, when we stand before God, part of the things that we will get rewarded for, all right, is not just whether we became saved on earth or not, or whether we spent many hours in church, whether we won souls, but also how we have been effective stewards of our lives, including our financial resources. Okay, and so I know I've been speaking for about 15 minutes and I'm almost beginning to hear my head someone saying, what kind of pastor is this who does not read the Bible when he's preaching? So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. All right, so read me Matthew 25. And we're going to read from verse 14. It's a bit of a long read, but I want to follow me. It's a story that I believe many of us are familiar with. Name Okay, um, and it's called, you know, it's one of the stories that we call the parable of talent. You, you have names and all for some of these things, okay? So, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servant and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. I like you to, in whatever shape or form is possible, just highlight that phrase to each according to his own ability. We'll come back to you later. And immediately he went on a journey. Verse 18 says, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. For he who had received one went and dug in the ground and eat his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. All right? And then the final bit is, 
one came and said, look, the one who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and, make it, and give it to him who has ten talent. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast your profitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, now one very quick thing that I want to establish from this story, all right, verse of scripture. You know, the Bible, remember the Bible does not say that it is a literal story. It says it's a representation of the kingdom of heaven, right? It is a representation of our relationship with God, okay? So, um, it, it does then say to us, right, that when we have, when we come into a relationship with Jesus as our Lord and our master, okay, that everything that we own and that we have, right, becomes a resource that we receive from our master, including our financial resources. Are we expected to be effective to our managers and good stewards of all of those things? All right? The Bible says in Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all the things that are in it. Okay? Another verse of scripture says, We did not bring anything into the earth, and we will not take anything away from the earth. Okay? So, everything that we have and that we own belongs to God. All right? There are loads of scriptural verses that establish the fact that we are beneficial owners of the things that God has given to us. And he expects us to be faithful stewards, including our money. All right? So I'm just going to share with us a few principles around stewardship of financial resources. And the first one is this, is ownership. You see, once we resolve the issue of ownership, then stewardship becomes very easy. And ownership, like I have said, belongs to God. Now, there is a way, there is a concept of ownership that um, some lawyers mentioned to me and told me about, right? So there is a way that you can have in your custody. You can have an item in your custody, okay? And you can use it. You can derive the benefit of it, right? But, and you don't have, you're not paying for it. But the thing is that, that you have what they call beneficial ownership. The title is not yours, given you necessarily claim the title or change the title. But it's a house that someone has given you. You can live in it. You don't have to pay rent. You can modify it. You can do anything that you want to it, right? So the same way our relationship with money and the money that God has put in our hands, it is that we are beneficial owners. God is the ultimate owner. And you see, somebody says, oh, no, but was God there when I went to work? Was God there when I, when, I, uh, when I wrote Jam? Was God there when I went for the interview? Was God there when I, in fact, when I got, in fact, when I got the job, I wasn't even born again. When I started my business, I was not born again. I used, I used my wisdom. In fact, some of the money I used to start my business, I actually stole it from my father. So how can you say to me that God is the owner of my money? But the truth is, who owns the life that you have? All right? The owner of your life is the owner of everything that flows through your life. 
And the way that you connect with that concept of ownership helps you to understand, right, that the owner can ask you questions about it. He has given you to enjoy. He has given you for it to serve the purpose of helping you to live a good life. And you must live that your good life, all right, within the context of the understanding of principle belongs that God has set. And so, understand that ownership belongs to God. God is the owner. The Bible says in Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, all right? So, if God created everything, what did you create? The only thing that you have done, like I'm going to show us, you know, is that you have positioned yourself, used the capacity that God gave you, all right, to be able to attract those resources into your lives, all right, and then you have the responsibility to manage it. And so ownership and understanding of ownership is extremely crucial. So once you understand that, yes, the money comes, the check comes in your name, the resources come into your pocket, right? However, it belongs to God. You're holding it in trust for God. Then you will know that it makes a lot of sense. And that if you know that God was going to ask you questions, that it makes a lot of sense for you to use the money in a very responsible way. And so the first principle is ownership. The second principle is empowerment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that God is able to give, to make all grace abound towards you, so that in all things, having all that you need, you will abound to every good works. So God, the Bible says, God is able to give you the grace, the empowerment, the capacity, all right, to, to contract resources, to make money. And, and so that is the connection between, oh, I went to school to learn, all right? I went to, I, I do a business and I make money from the business. God gave you that capacity. He gave you the empowerment. Oh, nobody promoted me. I work. Oh, yes, you, they promoted. Oh, but when I was sleeping in the office, I was spending, I was working 20 hours a day, you know, for six months so I could get my promotion. And that's what gave me this money. Yes, we understand all of that. But who gave you the capacity to be able to do that? That empowerment comes from God. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. All right? So, so the wealth is from empowerment from God. Oh, but someone says, oh, look, so, but why am I poor? Does it mean God has not empowered me? No. God has empowered you. But the next point that I'm going to be talking about, which is capacity, is where the gap is. So God empowers us, gives us the ability, all right, to make money, to attract the resources, all right, and be able, but what he then does is that he expects us to steward the finances. In fact, he expects us to be good stewards of the empowerment so that we can use the empowerment he has given us to be able to not only to first attract the resources and then be able to steward the resources that I would like to. And so the third thing, the third principle that I would like to mention is capacity. There is the principle of capacity. And you see, to be an effective steward of the resources of God, every single one of us, you need to learn to make money. All right? You need to learn to manage money. You need to learn to multiply money. And you need to learn to give money. Okay? It's very, very important. Now, if you look at um, Matthew 25, where we read, 
Okay? You remember I told you to highlight or note a particular phrase. The Bible says that the master gave um, his, his servants those talents based on the capacity that they had. Now, one question that, I, that always plagues my mind when I read that passage is, where did the capacity come from? Did the master give them the capacity or did they develop the capacity themselves? And I dare to say, all right, that each person has the responsibility to develop their own capacity to attract and to make money and to manage money. And when, so when God sees that you have capacity, God is not a waste of resources. The Bible says that he that is faithful in little, to him that is faithful in little, he will be given more. So God expects us to do all that is necessary to build our capacity. So part of going to school, really, is building capacity to make money. All right? Part of learning a trade, part of studying, reading books, and doing whatever, going for workshops and seminars, right, is about building capacity to make money and to manage money. And so the truth is we all have different abilities and capacity to make money. You know, I have a friend. Um, we used to work together before, uh, before I left the bank to join church. And this guy is so super entrepreneurial. So even though he was working in a bank, he had almost, almost, like, it used to be like almost every six months or almost every three months, he will come to me and share an idea that he had with me, okay? So at some point, he was working in the bank. Um, he, 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 because he's an architect, he does private practice of helping people to do architectural drawing. He will do um, facility management and do all sorts. So on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he was hardly ever at home, all right? He's gone somewhere to do. And he would just come and share one idea with me. and say, ah. So I'll say to him, jokingly, I'll say, come. How does God share this thing? Then he, you know, that it seems that like the only thing that he has given me is to think about church. And then he, you, you will come and bring this idea and say, where do you get all of these ideas from? The guy will say, look, go. That is the one that God gave me. He says, he gave you your own, this one, that one. He will describe, I'll say, no, I think I prefer the one that helps to, that helps people to make money. So me too, I, when they say, let's bring offerings, so me too, I can give, I can write checks. They say, I mean, so my point is this, that we all have different abilities and capacity to, th- to turn things to money. Okay, the only thing that we can do is we can grow and expand our capacity. So my question to you today is this, what are you doing, all right, to increase and grow your capacity to make money? And there are loads of things that you can do, but that's not the focus of our, of our, of our conversations this morning, right? So you move from making money, all right, to managing it. Is it the only, what seems to be the, the innate capacity about, man, about relating with money that all of us have, you know, even children have it, is spending money. So my children will come and say, we want this one, we want that one, we want this one, we want that one. You know, and, and I think a few years ago, a few years ago, I started thinking about, I started asking myself, you know, and I said, look, by the time I was the age of my first son, yeah, I, I had a sense of what made to go and ask my parents for, and what would, what would not make sense, and what would hand me a beating. 
But I said, these children don't behave like they have any sense of, they just seem to think that everything is a bottomless pit. Money comes from everywhere. They say, we want this one, we want that one, we want to go to this place, we want to eat this one. And I, so I said to myself, look, I have to start introducing these children to the concept of scarcity. <laughs> yes. So I said, so they won't just think that every money, you just spend money. So when they come and say, look, no, you can't have it. And when, before, when they say, no, you can't have it, and they say, why can't we have it? I just say, I, I don't want to give it. But now, I start saying to them, look, I don't, I don't have enough money to cover this one, that one, that one, that one. So which one do you want? Do you want, to, you can only have two out of the four. Because we don't have enough money to do all of these things that you want. So now they're beginning to understand the concept of, okay, we need to make choices and say, yeah, so, because it just seems that everybody, the only thing that we know how to do, the first thing you know how to do with money is to spend it. And there's one Yoruba proverb that says that the, the first, let me translate, it says the first, something like, the first money that a child makes, right, he spends to buy snacks. Not he spends to, not that he spends to save it, or he's just to go and consume it. All right? And that's very, so, so it, while it is in it to just consume money, there are very few people who have it in them to learn how to save, I mean, where it is just natural to them to make their money. Okay? So my next, that, like I said, the next thing that you need to do is to learn how to manage money. And so managing money is, so where is my money going? How am I using it? What am I using it to do? And of course, then multiplying money. Okay? So multiplying it is, how do you make it to increase? And then of course, giving is on another level. Alright? And so when I say you need to learn the capacity to give, okay, it's not just the capacity or the ability to write a check when money is in your account. It's also the capacity to discern what makes sense to give to, to have the capacity to have to define principles that will drive even your giving. All right? So it's not everybody who walks up to you with a need that you will meet. Some people have been careless with their lives and with their money, and then they just, sometimes they come and tell you stories and lie to you and say they want money and all of that. I remember about four, five years ago, right, um, not too long after the Elevation Church started, so one day I was sitting at my desk at work, and my phone rang. And um, so one man called me, and he said, oh, look, Pastor, I got your number from, I think, so we were still here then. The guy said, I got your number from church. This one now. I said, okay, so what's the story? Um, he said, well, you see, there's one pastor in church. This, this pastor is a very wicked man. Ha. I said, which pastor is it? He said, because he had just allowed my wife to die. Eh? I said, no, our church it doesn't happen. So tell me what the story is. He, didn't have he has allowed his wife to die um, because his wife was in labor. Um, he went to church and said he didn't have money to pay a suitable bill. And so he wanted them to give him money to pay the suitable bills. And they didn't answer him. This one, that one, that one. Now his wife has died. He has gone back again for them to give him money for him to be able to carry the corpse of his wife from Lagos to Delta State to go and bury. And they're still refusing to give him. So I said, hey, uh, that these people that are in church, I don't understand this our church again. No. Why people will be wicked like this now? So I said, okay, God, don't worry, come now. Let me call and find out what's happened. So, so I called the church office. And they said, okay, yeah, so true. This man came three days ago. Said his wife was in your soup. And uh, she wanted to have, she was, she was pregnant, she was in labor. And he needed money. And they said, no problem. We will pay, we will pay the money. But we, let's send somebody from church office to follow you to your soup. Let's even be sure that your soup where you are you know, is a good hospital. We know doctors, we have church members who want us to, maybe we can even help you transfer her to a better hospital. Say, okay, so let us go. The man said he was coming, he didn't show up again. 
Then he came back two days later to come and say his wife has died, so now he needs money. They said, okay, hey, yeah, we're very sorry. Can you show us a death certificate? Let's follow you, you know, to the hospital. You shouldn't be doing all this running around by yourself. We can send people with you. To, and then the man, so that was when the man called me. So I said, oh, all right. They're, they're very fraudulent people in Lagos, man. So you need to learn who to give to or not to give to, all right? So, so that's another thing, another capacity that you need to build on your journey of financial stewardship. Very important, okay? And another thing, another principle of financial stewardship is responsibility. Everybody needs to understand that we need to responsibly manage and take care of the resources that come through us. And so if you, if you, if you think about, if you, if, you read, if you remember the story that we read, right? The master expected. It didn't sound to me. Okay, so if you listen to the conversation that he had with his um, servants when he came back, all right, it didn't sound to me like he gave them a checklist of what to do with the money or how to do, use the money. Because when one came and said, I traded with the money, you know, the Bible says they went and traded with the money. When one came and said, I traded with the money and I have made double what you gave me, he said, well done, okay? And then when the other one came and said, I didn't know what to do. So I went to keep it under, the, under my bed. You know, that was when he then said, oh, why would you be this foolish? The worst you could have done is to leave it in the bank. All right? So it didn't sound to me like he told them what they were supposed to do. But they were supposed to be responsible for figuring out, learning how to, okay, manage and steward happy resources. So the responsibility for effective financial management to make God happy with you is yours. In fact, let's look at, if you look at in the message translation, okay, um, message translation of verse 26. I'm going to read that to you. It says, now this is after the, the last servant had come and said, look, I, I didn't do anything with the money. He said, the master was furious and said, that's a terrible way to live. In fact, he said, it's criminal to live cautiously like that. It is criminal to just live carelessly and not make any effort to take responsibility for building your capacity to be an effective steward of financial resources. The Bible says, says it is criminal to live cautiously like that. All right? Then he went and told him what he should have done. Then if you go to um, verse 28, it says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, the person who took the most responsibility to build himself, all right? It says, and get rid of this, play it safe. Who won't go out on a limb? Throw him out onto utter darkness. As if someone says, oh, look, I'm not, I'm not just going to stress myself. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. God expects us to actively engage in making money, managing money, turning it around by learning how to do it and actually doing it. Okay? And that's what God expects us to do. And that's why, that's why this master rebuked this person. He said, who is this? Play it safe. Won't do anything. Can't take risk. Has, just wants everything to just walk by him and all of that. No, no aggression in his life. No fire in his belly kind of person. And so responsibility um, is very, very important. Somebody said, while God has graciously entrusted us with the care, development, and enjoyment of everything he owns as a steward's. 
were expected to manage his holdings well and according to his desires and purposes. All right? So we were supposed to demonstrate a high sense of responsibility in managing financial resources. And of course, the fifth principle is that of reward and accountability. And that simply says, we're going to stand before God and give account of how we have used the resources that he passed through our hands. Who have you blessed with it? What have you done with it? Have you taken care of your family? Did you take care of yourself? Did you achieve the most that you could achieve? And he's going to reward us for it. And he said the reward is in two folds. There is reward on earth. And the Bible also suggests their rewards very clearly. That the way we use our financial resources also affects the kind of rewards that we get when we get to heaven. And that's why the Bible says, do not lay treasure up for yourselves on earth where moth and wrath do corrupt. It says, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Okay? Um, so, if you're going to lay treasure up for yourself, is there a bank of heaven where you can go and be making deposits every month? No, there isn't. It is your, from your stewardship of the financial resources that you have on earth where things account and accrue to you in heaven when you get to heaven. All right. So, so the the way the, so so financial management, financial stewardship, is a very serious matter, because it has impact on us, on earth, and in heaven. Of course, it doesn't mean that you will not go to heaven unless you steal money, you do corrupt things, and then you be, you sin and all of that, right? But it does mean that when you get to heaven, the sort of reward that you get from the way you have used your money is very important. Am I making sense this morning? Is anybody hungry this morning? Okay, thank you. All right, so um, in wrapping up, I'm just going to show you two or three things that I think we need to bear in mind, okay, um, from a personal financial management point of view. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. I'm going to read a few verses from there, and then we're going to close. Genesis chapter 47, verse 23. Okay, so to, to give you context, right, about this story. Um, so what had happened was that in Egypt in those days, right, there was a famine for seven years, right? Before the seven years of famine, there had been seven years of plenty, okay? And so Joseph was the prime minister, and he had given advice on how, what they should do, you know, to manage the resources from the years of plenty. He had told them how to save and all of that, okay? And so, during the period of famine, they had, a, they had a recession, basically. That's what it was. During the period of recession, the people came in the first year and said, they, in the first year, people had money to buy food. So, they went to buy, okay? Second, third, and maybe fourth or fifth year, all right, their money had finished. So, at some point, they went and said, look, Joseph, we don't have any money or anything to exchange for food that we need to buy from you. Two, we're selling ourselves. We want you to become our owners and just give us food. And Joseph agreed to the contract, right? That is, a, that is a similitude of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, where we give our lives to Christ. We realize that we are sinners, God, can't save ourselves, right? And we go to Jesus, and he say, we say, become our Lord and our Savior, and he becomes our owner, in quotes, right? He then becomes the owner of our lives, okay? All right, so... Um, Joseph entered into that contract with the people of Egypt. And it's all in the Bible. You can read it yourself, right? 
And then the following year, they then went to him and said, okay, so now we don't have anything anymore. You own us. So give us food in exchange for ourselves, right? And what Joseph said to them is what I found very instructive. And I just thought I would share, point out two or three things from there, and then we can close. Okay? And verse 23 says, Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest. Okay? You shall sow the land means you will work. You will go and work and earn money. Use your capacity that you have, like we have talked about, to earn money. All right? And it says, it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifth shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. Okay? So I want you to see what Joseph told them they could use their harvest to do. So the harvest is the resources that you have. You go to work Monday to Friday, and you get a harvest at the end of the month or at the end of the week, all right? And so he said, number one, a portion of it, if I hear, he said 20% of it goes to the person who owns you. In this case, God owns us. God is our master, is our Lord, even is our father. He owns everything about us. So a portion of what you have belongs to God. Okay, so remember I said three things, three ways you should use your money, right? Um, this is basic financial management. People spend a lot of time doing PhDs and all of stuff on this one. But just five minutes, I'm going to explain what, what this, and then we'll move on, okay? So number one, it says there is something for the master. That's the first thing. Something for the master. Something for your owner. Something for God. Okay? The proportion, leave the proportion alone, we can debate it. Is it 10%? Is it 15? Is it 20? Is it 1%? It's okay. But just understand that everything that you earn and you own and comes through you, a portion must go to the master. And that is to God. Okay? Then he said, the remaining is for you. And outlines what you should do with it. First, if you notice, yeah? It says, so there is something for you. And what is for you? He says, as seed. So first thing there to go is the seed. What is seed? Seed is what you what you deploy for the for the hope of another harvest. So in contemporary terms, that will be something that you save, something that you invest in your future. It may be savings in the bank, it may be something that you use to pay for your education, to get an additional certification or additional degree, whatever. It is use part of the money that you had on a consistent basis to invest in yourself for your future. Okay? And then it says, for your immediate needs. So it said, for food for you, for those of your households and all of that. And then the third one, all right, the third thing you should and must use your money for as good financial stewards is something for your care of others. So it said, for those of your household and for your little ones. And so how many, for those of you who have incomes and hand money, when was the last time that you sent something to your parents? When was the last time that you bought something for your younger brother or your younger sister or whoever it is? How many people, okay, how many people would otherwise have slept hungry in the last three months, but because they knew you, they didn't sleep hungry? Let me extend it. How many people would otherwise have not gone to school but because they met you and you're a good steward of your financial resources, 
the school fees or part of it was paid. Okay? So, in summary this morning, basically, all I am saying is this. That every faculty that you have, your power of thinking, of moving your limbs from moment to moment, is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. Now, I didn't write that. I'm not clever enough to do it. C.S. Lewis wrote it, right? So, I borrowed it from him, yeah? Um, so, if you put that slide on the screen, it will be there. Now, so, so my point is this, really. Number one, you need to understand who the real owner is. And the real owner is not you. The real owner is God. All that you have is a financial steward. And all I'm asking you to do this morning or this afternoon is, can you make sure that you will do everything possible in your life that, so that you can be the best steward possible of your financial resources? Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? I just wanted to go ahead and pray this, this afternoon. And pray, about, pray for yourself. Pray about anything that I have said that has caught your fancy. Everything, anything that you think has, has sown is a seed in your heart from everything I have said. I'd like to just turn into prayer. Any area of your life where you need God to give you additional capacity. Any area of your life concerning financial worship where you want God to, to speak to you, to minister to you, to help you. If you have been a bad financial steward, it's a good time to repent. Okay? If you have a heart for God, you want to do more, but you need him to give you more capacity, this is a good time to make that commitment to him. I'd like you to just open your mouth this morning and pray. I'd like you to ask for God to give you the capacity to be faithful stewards. I'd like you to ask that God will help you. It will give you the wisdom, the resources, the understanding to connect money and be able to make money, to manage money, and to steward it effectively in the name of Jesus. I like it to pray that God gives you a heart, the heart of a steward in the name of Jesus. Somebody who manages money effectively in the name of Jesus Christ. I like it to pray this afternoon and just ask God for that grace to rest upon you. And I like it to make that commitment to him to say that you're going to be an effective steward of his financial resources in the name of Jesus. That when he entrusts this resources into your hands, I like it to pray and commit to him that as they come into your hands, you will take care of, the, of God's business, you will take care of yourself, and you will take care of the people around you in the name of Jesus. Can you pray? If you're going through specific financial challenges right now, I like you to ask that God will show up for you in the name of Jesus, that God will send people in your direction in the name of Jesus. I like you to pray and declare this afternoon that the hold of lack is broken upon your life in the name of Jesus. Can you ask God this morning for wisdom, wisdom, the understanding, a discerning heart for how to be an effective steward of financial resources in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Alright, so before I leave this morning, I'd like to just pray one final prayer. The most effective steward that you can be, the most effective, most important thing that you must steward is your life. And so if you're here this afternoon and you're not born again, you haven't at any time committed your life to Christ, I'd like to give you an opportunity this afternoon. I'd like us to just close our eyes and give people the privacy of the moment. And so if you're here this afternoon, you're not born again, you haven't at any time asked the Lord Jesus to become your Lord and your Savior, I'd like to just raise up your hand so I can pray with you this afternoon. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus so you can be an effective steward of your life. I'd like to just wave your hand at me wherever you may be in the auditorium. Can I? I'd like to just wave your hands so I can pray with you this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Anybody here giving your life this afternoon? Okay. Can't see any hands. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this afternoon. 
We give you all the praise and we bless your holy name for every single person that you have spoken to today. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will cause this word to bring about a revolution in each life in the name of Jesus. Let the words germinate and produce seeds in the name of Jesus. Let his words make us effective stewards of your financial resources in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord, for every single person who is still arguing and struggling with the concept of ownership. Help them to resolve it in their hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've heard us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Okay, so um, I'm tempted to do something that we don't usually do on Sunday mornings, right? I don't know if one person has a question. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.